my time was only a, a hobby or a way to get a day's fishing. Because most people ask me for a fly who maybe uh, I've got the access to water that I couldn't get on. So if I, if I could tie a dozen salmon flies to get a day's fishing, aye, that, that, that's... That, because I had five of your family, I didn't have any money. So the only thing had the barter system, like it was just, that was the way it worked. Hello and welcome to the Ireland on the Fly podcast about the people and places of fly fishing in Ireland. For those of you kicking your fly tying season into gear over the coming weeks and months, we have a special guest on this week's show. Davy McPhail, the legendary Scottish fly tire, joins us to discuss his career, his huge online following via YouTube, and he gives us some tips and advice for improving your fly tying. But before we hear from Davy, Tom, tell me, what is it that makes someone like him stand out so much? I suppose, really, I mean, I would have got to know Davy, and he mentions it there about um, him tying competition flies years back. And like, I mean, there was something about them then that if you could get your hands on a couple of Davy McPhail patterns, give you the edge. And us competition anglers, we're always looking for the edge. Um, and definitely there was there was that sort of aura around his patterns. But then also as well, since I've started to watch him on YouTube, uh, I don't know, it's, it, his YouTube videos are fantastic. I think we've anybody who's fly tying and looked at them, they're, they're really good. He's it, just kind of commanding there in front of you. And he's very easy to follow. But, and he's um, very knowledgeable. And I look at them from that. I've used them at classes because I give classes here in the winter. And I've used for patterns, you know, I know but they use the video showing how Davey does it and then being able to explain afterwards on the classes. It works really well. It's like any class situation if you can use video and mix it in. But, um, yeah, no, he, he's just, just really something about it. I mean, like, I say that now as a fly tire, and I know we've had this before with you. I mean, you don't tie flies. How did you? Fi- how do you find them when you see them with the fly tire? The word you use there is very good and is very commanding. Mm. Uh, when he speaks, and and when people who listen to the podcast shortly, um, the interview with him is he's so knowledgeable about fly fishing, mm-hmm. entomology. Um, I I could just imagine him in the fly fishers club giving a lecture to the great. And the esteemed of fly fishing, and they'd still be taking notes, you know that kind of way. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I got the I got the impression just thought like he was just his depth of knowledge when it just came to fly fishing. He was a fly angler, turned his hand to any great story. Gets into how he just got into tying the flies and you know picked up <laughs> fly fishing and all that kind of stuff. So hugely talented guy, and I was fascinated chatting to him because obviously digital media is kind of my background, and then you know just chatting to him about the YouTube, and we worked it out. He started in 2009, this channel that he has, there's 1,300 videos, 13 years, 1,300 videos. That's 100 videos a year. That's a video every three days for 13 years. Like, yeah, that is some dedication and commitment to it. And it's it's like any of these things, whether it's a podcast, YouTube channel, it's the consistency. You have to keep at it. You have to build it up over time. It takes years and years and years. And, like, I'm not going to give the answer to <laughs> the answer to the competition. And he's got quite a few YouTube followers, which is part of our question Spoiler. for the filling mill competition. But he's quite a few, and um, yeah, it's just the quality of. I, I just get the impression whatever he d- puts his hand to, the quality of what he does is just outstanding. You know, if he, like I said, if he took up golf, he'd probably be playing scratch. 
Yeah, you were saying that. Yeah. No, I really thought when you said that to me, I said, yeah, definitely. I mean, like, yeah, and you'll hear it when we talk to him later. I mean, the, the fish tank one, I thought absolutely fantastic. Mm. You know, what, what he did with the surplus fish tank. Uh, you know, and it just, like, like anybody who's, who's at the peak of what they do, they set about it and work at it methodically. And, you know, we're always looking at ways of improving what they're doing and, and also as well why they're doing it. There's always a few things. And I think this is for anybody, if, like you said, at the top of the game, one is attention to detail, dedication to their craft. And number three, and this is what always frustrates me, Tyson, they make it look so easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you only get to yeah. that because of the other two, because of the attention to detail, because mm. of the dedication. Like I said, the equivalent of a video every three days for 13 years. Yeah. You know? And look at us doing a podcast <laughs> a week and like, God, <laughs> like, oh my God, like 13, <laughs> 13 years. Like, so it is, it's, um, it's a testament to that. And like I said, whether it was fly tying, anything, you know, um, you, you, if you can put those principles into play, you know, you'd be, uh, you'd, you'd have a successful YouTube channel. <laughs> you really would. Well, and they're very interesting as well. Like, I mean, like kind of knew it anyway myself, but and for those people who only would see Davy as as a fly tire, how much he actually is into his his fishing and his fly time, and that really comes across when we're talking to him. Oh, high level stuff, like like high level stuff. Um, yeah, he's not somebody who sits behind the vice and hands the flies over. Like he, you know, like he said, he ties flies that were based on what he wanted to catch on his local river, and mm. um, and it worked. Like so, um, no, it's brilliant. Really great chatting to him. Um, I loved his. His manner of chatting and yeah, kind of is the kind of guy you'd have spent a couple of hours in his company gladly, like just yeah, just to note as well. And fair play to Davy, uh, Tom. He uh, gave us he just he yeah. just recently tied them, um, and and he said we can give them away on the show. Uh, one is uh, the McPhail Mayfly. Um, it's a three fly Great pattern. Yeah. Fantastic pattern, by the way. <laughs> and it's got Davy's signature stamp on it uh, and fair play to him. And we've also another set. It's Wilfie's double triple. Um, beautiful looking fly that Davy mm, has tied there. And uh, so very generously, Davy has said we can give them away um, as part of our competition on the show. So what we'll do is we'll have the normal fulling mill competition, but we'll also have two extra... Uh, winners as well so one will win the mcphail mayfly selection there and wilfie's double triple so we'll announce that uh, later in the show the competition but thanks again to to davy for for doing that very generous yeah we can put that picture up i'm just looking at the presentation i mean it almost be you'd want to use them <laughs> but maybe you might want to frame them yeah i'm looking at telling you the signature is <laughs> yeah. there the stamp is on it yeah you know in case of emergency break glass <laughs> you definitely put it behind the frame like <laughs> yeah. you know yeah yeah gorgeous so, Davey, thanks again for doing that for us. Uh, very generous. But look, let's hear from him now. And I first asked Davey how he first got into fly tying. There's a story, like, I seen fly tying when I was a kid. Me and my uncles tied their own flies when I was a kind of maybe, I would say, my early, below 10. <laughs> I used to see the flies on the window, so I used to dry the flies in the window. And I always looked at them, and that was as much as I seen the flies being tied, it was being actually watching the, the varnish was drying and the flies, and it was all loch style flies for loch Doon and the Galloway Hills but that was as much as the fly time really went, other than that I got some flies when we were kids to fish with, but when I was wee 
and especially up hillocks and stuff, we just used a bubble and fly. So we had a bubble, a clear bubble, we half filled it with water, and we had a spinning rod, and made a, two or three flies up the cast. And we could cast across the locks, we could, these wee ponds, or wee locks, and uh, it was the easy way when we were kids to fly fish. But I never really got into fly fishing until, uh, uh, basically I was just about to get married. Um, my wife's brother was fly fishing, because you know how when you, at school, you, there's more other things get in the way. Uh, there was obviously lassies and then going out and going to the discos, as they say then. Uh, going to the ice rink, for me, I used to love going to the ice rink and, and swimming as well. But then once I was buying and getting married and the brother-in-law, he was trying the fly fishing and I says, geez, I'd love to get back to it because when I was wee, I wanted to fly fish, I wanted to do all that sort of stuff. And we couldn't afford it when we were smaller, to be honest with you. It was a big family. And uh, the thing to a fly rod we got was, I don't know, a spinning rod. <laughs> it, was as much. it was an old spinning rod. Um, not like an island. I, mean, I, I was amazed when I came to Ireland um, how the, every village was had its own tackle shop. Uh, it was all around fishing. It was amazing. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> every time it was Connemara and that was driving through. And I mean, does everybody fish? There's no do anything else. <laughs> Just fishing. But anyway, uh, so basically, it's like a funny story how I got into it. Um, I was keen to do the fly fishing. Um, I was working in a pound stretcher. I was a wee as storeman. The wife worked in a, a vegetable shop. It's called Malcolm Campbell's. There's lots of shops all around Scotland. So anyway, uh, I was waiting for the wife, uh, the, my wife at the time, coming off the bus at the shop. It's just around the corner. And for some reason, I decided to buy a scratch card. Can you, know, you tear off the edge and you open it up and you do. There's a bingo on one side and there's a kind of like a three cherries and you get 20 pence or something. <laughs> I bought that for a laugh. And I, and I seen there was a bingo on one side and I went, oh, I'm going to do that. So I gave it to the wife and they come back. It was actually this house, because uh, this was her mother's house. And she started doing this bingo. And the top bingo came up. She says, the top bingo, we've got that one there. I goes, how much is it for? And it was £500. In, in 1982, I know, I, 83, I was 82, 83, sorry, early 83. And £500 was like, Small fortune. Five hundred pounds. <laughs> ah, yeah. So I decided. Well, I it with the wife, so I should take half, and I get half. And I decided to buy fishing stuff. So I bought my gear, bought my waders, bought my bought a rod, bought a jacket, bought everything. And then I decided the only way I could like listen to some of the guys I spoke to when I joined the club, the local club, they all tied their own flies. And to get the flies, they kept mentioning flies you couldn't buy. Like, a, for instance, in the river, it was a lark and grey, right? It was a dry fly. It was like a yellow and white coloured, quite grizzle hackle on it. So I decided, the only way I'm going to be able to do that is to tie my own. And I, I bought a, a small kit, it was a small wooden box from Vineyards. It was a dry fly kit. 
And in the vice, there was a wee vice in it. And there was no such thing as a bobbin holder or anything like that. Uh, it was just two washers screwed to the side of the vice with a kind of rubber washers. And you, when you tied your fly, you wrapped it around to hold the thread between each section or each part of the fly. Yeah. So you just kept tying. And that's the way I learned. And I started tying the local patterns. And it was only dry flies I mainly tied. I, I, I didn't tie wets, it was dry flies. It was just the way I got into it because for some reason I wanted to go down and just catch fish that was rising because at the beginning of the season most of the fish you saw were rising to either March browns, olives, that sort of stuff coming down the river. And I've actually got one of the original flies I tied and I can actually squeeze in here. I, I can actually show you but I obviously can't show everyone who's listening like... Um, if I come to this here, oh, yeah. wow! Well, we get a picture right. up of that, so we get a picture up of that, so everybody can see it. Actually, that's one that well, that's one of the first flies you tied, Davy. Yeah, and it's tied in a bait hook. It's tied in a mustard <laughs> bait hook, and the the only reason I've got it is I bought I got this book for the library. It was called Let's Fish the Clyde, and the first the first fly you see mentioned is a March Brown. Mm. So I tied the March Brown with brown feathers. It was grouse mainly I had, and I tied it with the grouse feathers. Uh, even, I mean, uh, the hackle is actually one of the the covert feathers off the wing. It's not even a cock hackle. It's just, it's, when I cast it out, it lay flat in the water. It was just flat. <laughs> it was just like a, like a pancake. But the fish it took was... it. <laughs> not fish... exactly your classical dry fly dressing, Davey, was it? No, I even trimmed, if you look there, the, the tail of this here is actually a slip off the wing, and yeah. I just cut it to the length. <laughs> it's not even in this black thread, and it's the, if you look close, I don't know if you'll see it, but the black thread is actually kind of, I don't know what I was doing, I was trying to hold the body together. <laughs> so I, it's got, here's the air body, here's the air, which you were meant to use, uh, kind of grousey wing, and then a grouse sort of covert feather to try and make it float. But I actually got it to float. And what happened was that day there was a good hatch of March browns and olives coming off, and I had a, a good dozen fish. And I mean, you got this. This is somebody could hardly cast to the the back door, again two or three yards if that. And I was catching these fish like an expert, and uh, so I had a good start. And I gave two or three of the flies to another angler that was on the water, who became a good friend. Tommy's name is. Tam Burns, and uh, it wasn't it wasn't that long ago actually, and I and I was talking to Tam about that way back then, you know, talking forty years ago. He says I've still got the flies you gave me. I went, yeah, can I, can I have one of them back? You see, the first <laughs> flies I ever tied, <laughs> and he gave me and he gave me it back, and that's how I've got it. That's class. so there you go. That's so there's not that many people get a chance to get one of the first flies they tied. No. So <clears throat> then all it came down to is uh, I started listening to the local tie, the local anglers, getting some ideas with patterns. But last, basically all I did was the flies were coming on in the water. I would look at the fly and I would try and copy that fly with the colours, with the materials I had. It was as simple as that. 
And uh, I always remember one of the main things, there was a, a kind of brownie olive, and I, even straight away, I actually get straight into uh, dyeing my own materials, uh, because I mean, one of the guys on the river dyed his stuff, so you could buy the vineyard dyes for the local tackle shop. But what I did early on was that mainly all you could buy was brown, like hen necks, brown, all the colours you'd expect to see a chicken. So when you were a brown cape, I dyed a brown cape olive or yellow. I didn't dye a white cape. I'd I use the mixed colours, the natural colour as well as the dye. But the flies were catching. I was catching, I was times it was like, I was amazed that I was catching fish. I mean, it's easy at the beginning of the season because the flies are bigger. And the fish yeah. are, I mean, but you're catching wild fish, you're catching. At the beginning, it wasn't so many grayling, like, because there's grayling on the river air where I fish. It was mainly brown trout. So you had stock fish from one club, but the top club, they had no, it was all wild fish. And I was catching on both sides. So I was really, I had a good start. And I just, I was hooked from there on. I just, and I, but I was mainly on the natural side. That, Davey, can I ask you, like, you started and it was the days before internet and everything. Did you oh, did you go to classes or did you do it off a book? I mean, oh, you obviously I'm, went into it straight in at the deep end though, didn't you? It was never such a class. The first class I ever went to was, uh, I'm trying to remember, it was the early 90s and it was, uh, what do you call it? Patches of Redditch was doing these open weekends or weekends where well-known tyres from the magazines were in it. Like uh, the first one I went to had, there was like Davy Watton, um, I don't know if Oliver Edwards was there, right? Oliver Edwards was there. Right. So basically these were, these were the big names in the magazines. Mm. But the, the book I actually followed, and because it was a, it was Rivers mainly, it was, it was, it was uh, the Let's Fish the Clyde, uh, I'm going to zoom back to the webcam, sorry. There's this one here. And I just followed this book. And it's just a wee thin book, and it's very collectible nowadays, but it's Robert Sharp. Uh, it was a local... Well, put it, put it this way. The River Clyde is one of the nicest rivers you could ever fish when it comes to uh, wild fish especially. Uh, brown trout, it's the best top end. Uh, Grayland as well, and it's if you can catch in the Clyde, you can probably catch anywhere. Especially the river air. The river air can be really hard. They like small flies. Um, there's times really, I mean, the smallest fly I'll mainly fish, and quite regular in the river air, we are 24, quite right. easily, and you get used to it. So anything after that's easy. Anything bigger than that, it's a, it's a dream. Yeah. So... And uh, it just comes down to the learning what cast put together. I mean, the difference, when I went to the Clyde, especially in this book, they talk about Cooter, at Cooter Bridge, at Bigger. And there's a lot of travel, a lot of people fish there. You get fish are really, I mean, you walk alongside the river, they go, <laughs> you instantly see you coming a mile away. Uh, so you really need to be a bit chained up and stay low. Can you see the fish? The best way is remember the one of the first times I fished there. I remember casting to this tree, it was rising, and I seen the fish coming. It saw me first and turned straight away. 
<laughs> I went, geez, every fish can see a mile away here. So the first thing I got down my knees, whenever I was on my knees, I started catching fish. Anywhere I went, I went down, I never went above my knees. As long as I stayed below my knees, I could catch the fish. Other than that, if you stood up, phew, cheerio. <laughs> uh, clever fish. So there. Davey, tell us, when did you realise you had a you had a talent and skill for the fly tying that, you know, it wasn't just something on the side to help you catch fish. You can see here, it says trout and fishermen. And then the badges here, it's got the fly, Benson Hedges fly tying competition. It was obviously sponsored by them. This was in 1985. So I started in 83 tying and fishing. So I, I got, I entered the competition I just don't know why I was attracted to it. I said, I'm going to try this for a laugh. And I always remember the first fly, there's a, an open class, advanced, and then a master's. But you had to work your way to the master's. You couldn't just go in for the master's. You have to do the open class first and then the advanced and so on. So I, I did the first one, and it was a partridge in orange, which was right up my street, kind of suits the river type thing. And I, and I, and I won. I, I got... I got the badge, as I say. I got the advanced badge. <laughs> and then I entered the next... No, I didn't enter the next round because I didn't have the materials. And then the, the next advanced one was uh, an Alexander, I think it was. I the Alexander, and I won that one. And I got through to the Masters. So that was basically me, a kind of... a refined your time a wee bit. But just like you've got to follow sets of rules, because especially when it's something you don't really do, it's easily. I mean, the rules are like I like following my own rules as much, but it's I like to. I mean, even early on when I first started tying, I had a, a what do you call it, a, a tank, because I like marine fish when I was younger. I like to look at. I had a marine, a marine tank, saltwater tank, and I loved it and. and what's inside it, it's everything that's natural. As long as you have a nice balance, the, the tank was good. But I, in my room, I had what they had, an emergency tank in case something went wrong. But I decided to fill it with the water and I put in nymphs, damsels, olives, buzzers, beetles, you name it, everything in this. And I started watching, the, I know it sounds crazy like, but that's what I did. <laughs> If you can understand that, like much like a, if you watch it, the big, the easiest fly to watch is the damsel, because as it grows, it eats anything that moves. By the way, anyway, anything that floats by, it just grab, jump, start chomping it up. So you have to keep filling the tank, especially olives. I love the olives. Uh, so basically, uh, kind of like you're talking pond olives, but the as it grows, it, it splits its skin. It goes to a kind of dark colour as it's just before it's ready to split. It goes near enough brown, kind of dark, brown the olive colour. Splits then, it's, and when the light goes through, it's like chartreuse. So bright, clean. Yeah. But at the same time, you learn to see how they move, how they swim. If you can understand how they do that, you can get your fly to do the exact same thing. <laughs> uh, that is, that's amazing. Can I say, Davey, to some people, you say... It might have sounded crazy to other people, myself included. It sounds ingenious. 
Ah, it's just a way of, if you can work out how that fly presents itself in nature, the fish will react to it no matter what colour it is yeah. half the time. A lot of people wonder why, when I, I, when I ended up, start, I started working in a trout fishery in 94, and basically a place was full of damsels and stuff like, I mean, a lot of people used to, but just as a lift off, they'll go like that and they'll pull in the cast and stuck it, whoa, fish takes. Mm. And it, it's when that bit it can represent two or three things, but when a damsel, especially when it's working to the bank to actually hatch, come up the, the reeds, the fish will cruise in and disturb the damsels again. Their only defense is, is to shoot away for maybe a yard or two, but that's them knackered. They'll just mm -hmm. and the fish just turn back and come round and pick them up because they're sitting mid water like this, going out a puff. Now, that lifting off process is much like that damsel shooting away. So that reaction is the fish much the same. I mean, most times is, if you can present your fly, you present, or the way you fish your fly is as much as, is more important times. 80% of how you're catching fish is because of the way you're fishing it. Because it's like I can fish a pheasant tail nymph, for instance. How I fish that nymph, where it behinds. Swinging, tweaking it, sort of quite fast strips. It could be a pin fry, it could be a midge pupa. It loads of wee things how you present that. One nymph can like catch you your fish, especially when it comes to the side. If you tip the tip of your rod is it and lift, it's a small carixa. And the fish react to that movement. Like, and that's how when on the river, on the loch, a lot of people used to ask me, What are you fishing, Davy? Present tail nymph, because <laughs> I could catch on it all different things. And you knew how the fish were taking it, because if they were taking it as a pin fry, times they would, they would suck it right in, because that's, that's they're taking it as a small pin fry. Carricks are the, or buzzer, they're just lightly hooked half the time, because they just swirl at it. They'll chase a carricks a wee bit, because they try to get into the side. But the uh, buzzers are easy, it's just a matter of finding the depth. And getting that depth is you just follow them up, especially in the morning. They'll start really low, so I'll start with a long cast. Uh, I'll fish with two two buzzers or two fezzy tails, say for instance. And uh, you'll start hooking in the point, and as they start to come up in the water, you'll start getting them on the dropper. So then what I do is I basically put a dry in my dropper to lift up my to that middle stage. And then when they start coming to the to the dry, then I just put the dry in the point. And then I'll put maybe a shipments or a, something in the middle. So it's a subsurface. Yeah. And so I'm following the, the nymph as it comes up in the daytime, kind of as it works through the day. Just do that one cast. So yeah. it, it's it's just a matter of it's just well, the advantage is I'm there all the time. It's the, the things you learn. I didn't. I thought I can half knew one or two things, but you know nothing until you start working on the river or start working on the, the loch. You miss a lot of things, and you try and push, give that to that information to your guests, or the guys that's coming. But you, as, as you guide, that's what you're there for. Is to yeah. you're there every day. You're trying mm. to pass that on and make sure that your guest has one of the best days he's ever had. Like, did it quickly just. 
kind of take over your life, fly fishing, fly tying, and you know, when did you start tying commercially then as well? Well, I didn't start tying commercially until 2014. Oh, right. I mean, fly tying was only a, a, a hobby or a way to get a day's fishing. Because most people ask me for a fly who maybe uh, I've got the access to water that I couldn't get on. So if I, if I could tie a dozen salmon flies to get a day's fishing, I that, that, that's that, because I had five year family, I didn't have any money. So the only thing had the barter system, like it was just that was the way it worked. And yeah. it was, um, it's just life. I mean, the, we didn't have, I mean, there are pieces of water that the only way to get onto them is like in the River Dune, for instance, uh, Swallow Braze was one of the beats I used to get on. And I would always get on when nobody else would want to fish. But that suited me because I liked it hard. I liked it when it was low. I fished small. I fished under the trees. It refines you a wee bit to stand well back. I remember one night, the guests were fishing what they call Swallow Braze and the galley Jock phoned me and says, Davy, you want to get down? There's a couple of hours of light before they get, can you have a couple of hours to fish? And I went, fine, show it out. And I looked down, there was two guys there, there was two guys there, and there was two guys down there, oh, right beside one another. And I went, jeez, it's going to be hard. Because they were standing in the middle of the, it's only a wee river. They were standing in the middle of the river. And it was like, it was, the the, the fish were probably hiding, hiding under the trees, kind of thing, out of the way. So, for instance, I went down at a long, I, I, I used a 10 foot, I've still got it, my 10 foot hard day. It's a seven eight takes a wee extension, but so you screw it on at the bottom. Uh, we had the deluxe. Uh, it's a deluxe. So basically, I had an eight weight on it. Uh, the long leader, twelve to fourteen feet, usually a tapered leader, and then I had on the tip it, just an eight pound, and I put on a wee alloy tube, half inch alloy, so it sits quite high, but it's it's quiet. But doesn't it? It's not this plop. It's just a wee wally gun. So I put myself well into the trees and I just sort of have a cash, you want to call it, get across, spade cast. So anyway, just a mend and a really slow, but as, as long a cast as I could work with. And she let it nice and slow swirk out. Got a fish, put the fish back, went down, left that pool, went down to the next corner, back in, got another fish. And back up, well, that's get that's rested. Get another fish, and back down. Get another fish, <laughs> and it's just allowing it to settle, just to quiet. Because yeah. every time you do this, you're disturbing. I always say when I was gilling, after uh, I, I gillied further up the dune, fifteen miles from there. I says, look, when you get a fish, leave the pool and go to the next. There's thirty-three pools and there's only six anglers. I says, go to the next one, and then come back. Give it, a, give it a rest and you'll catch more that will give time to settle unless the fish are actually running you've got new faces coming into the pool it's different but see once they're settled you've got to give them time just to calm down uh, especially after a, a lot of people on it or a lot of fishing mm -hmm. yeah it makes, uh, makes so much sense Debbie really does ah, it's just that and, and I mean uh, <clears throat> it wasn't so much that I, I was just look I've maybe only got 
half a dozen days a year on certain beats, kind of on that. Uh, but I, I made sure to enjoy them, or made sure that I was ready, or they were the best. Like if it was the stincher I was fishing, and I was owed a couple of days, I'd make sure there was water in it, because you need water in there. Mm. If on the river doing, if I got a day, I mean, obviously I was given the day, I try it. The dunes different. It just has a constant run of water. It's just a matter of fishing where, I mean, fish where nobody else fishes in between the pools. As many times that's where the fish will move out the road. A lot of people fishing that pool that day. If you're a fly tire or want to get into fly tying, then this is for you. Ireland on the Fly have teamed up with Fulling Mill to give away a box of fly tying materials with free shipping to one lucky listener each week. With more than 1,400 products to choose from, each perfectly packed by hand, their new range of fly tying materials warrants closer inspection. The range of dubbing materials is comprehensive to cover whatever you want to dress, from tiny dries to saltwater streamers. It is all there, and some great UV mixes there as well. From the individually preened marabou feathers to the top secret treatment applied to their new ultra dry yarn, the whole range is packed with standout new products all generously served up for your benefit in a neat array of colours and sizes. From Zongers to CDC, Bucktail to Deerbelly, just be sure to check it out for yourselves. And to be in with a chance of winning the £50 worth of materials, just answer the following question. How many subscribers does David McPhail have on his YouTube channel? Email your answer to info at irelandonthefly.com and we'll announce the winner on next week's show. And congrats to John O'Malley, who is the latest winner. John will be in touch. And don't forget, we'll also have two additional winners for this week's competition for the MacPhail Mayfly and Wilfie's double-triple that David MacPhail had tied and generously uh, agreed to give us uh, as part of the competition this week. So three winners we'll have. So do enter, and you never know. You might win either the Fulling Mill voucher or uh, David MacPhail's flies. And David, have you fished Have you fished in Ireland much? I've been to Ireland twice. The first time was with Trout and Salmon, uh, what it was, they were promoting uh, Rogan's. It was, uh, I spoke at my wee badge somewhere, I don't know where it is, but it said Rogan's, I don't, uh, what was the name of the village? Uh, Ballyshannon. Ballyshannon. Ballyshannon, yeah. And uh, we went over there, I, mean, I always remember, I've, I was going over with Trout and Salmon because I was writing for them at the time. And uh, we flew into Knock Airport. And basically, we went up. Uh, I went on to the bank. It was the winter months. It wasn't the fishing. I mean, the, the drought had just opened. You could have a cast. Uh, so I had a wee quick cast with somebody's rod. But I had no gear with me. But I was demonstrating in the hotel. There's a hotel in there, just over the bridge. and up. Uh, but I went in Rogan's as well. But they promoted it. At the time, you could get a... The flies were all connected to a wee fish, a wee cardboard fish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, on each fly, it was on the, the oh, a little cardboard fish on the bend of each. Oh, one. Yeah. So I, I knew Robert Gillespie through the salmon fishing, and I knew Basil Shields through. See, a lot of my friends fish the internationals. So they always ask me to tie a fly certain patterns because you can't buy them. And uh, so I, I used to get into the, the messing about and getting them wee. They were always looking for uh, some help, some a bit of faith. So you know what competition England's like. It's, a, it's really hard for them. 
But I was going really into that, but I'm not personally, I didn't fish the competitions, but uh, it was basically a type of boys that did. And uh, Basil was really into his competition fishing, and I knew Robert through the salmon fishing. But I was going way back, I can't remember when, it was the 90s, early 90s, something about that. It was 30 years ago anyway. So I basically just started tying a lot of Irish flies. But um, I did go back over uh, to Robert and I had a wee quick cast in the moy. I had a fish on, played it, and I got off. But it was, it was, wasn't it? It was, there was many, there were no fish really any in the water, but I was lucky to get a hold of one. I just got off. Uh, and then I, the following day, I went down to see Basil. And uh, I was doing a wee demo for Basil, but I fished on the loch with, I remember saying it was Paddy Gargan, I think his second name was. Mm. Uh, Paddy, he took us out, but it was like one of these days, it was the beginning of the Mayfly. And every so often you had a rain, hail, everything, the wind, the waves were like this. <laughs> I mean, I I thought the bottom the bottom of the boat was going to break up. I thought the boat was going to break <laughs> in half. Um, but but I, I, I ended up I think I had five or six fish. Uh, it was a green Peter, a uh, what do you call it? I tied one, and the the Peter hog. Mm. I tied it with a bent hook with a wee bit of tail, so it was basically a kind of mayfly like. I had that in the top dropper. I don't know why I put it on there, I just put it on for the, because it was the colours was right. And so, and I, I got fish on that, and, but it wasn't a great day because of the way the weather was. And that was it. That's the only time I had to come back home. Yeah. It's only, to do with fly tying, it never, it's the same when I've been all, all over the world. Not all yeah. over, I've been in America. It's the middle of the winter. It's fly tying time. And the fishing's not, uh, well, there's nobody fishing. <laughs> well, to be honest with you, I know for a fact you have a huge following here, and you actually do tie a lot of Irish flies on your videos. Do you like tying them, the Irish flies? Oh, I, I mean, uh, I just finished three boxes there. Uh, yeah. I did them last week. I, I've got them on here. I'd like to see them so you can quickly you can see. I'll, come on, I'll zoom out. I'll put this on to you. I don't know if they can see this, but this is on my camera used for tying the flies. But yeah, we'll put we'll put a picture of that one up as well. We'll put that up and we'll right, launch well, that for a, a quick snippet. I mean, uh, over the years, tying for especially Basil. I hope Basil doesn't mind me mentioning his name. Yeah, <laughs> uh, because most people didn't know I tied flies because I kept it to myself. I just uh, I, I mean, to me, it was a great way of experimenting and a great way to get articles for the magazine. Because I was writing for Trout and Salmon, I was doing other bits. Plus, uh, I mean, another thing I've done, people don't realise it, but I actually worked for a fly tying company uh, in Thailand. And Basil was getting some of his flies tied through that company. So I used to basically make sure the flies were tied with the right colours. I used to dye the stuff when I was over in Thailand. I used to do all that type of stuff. And uh, so... And which makes the better fly far more. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the colours that I use, uh, we'll come back to this one. I mean, 
if you look at the sunburst colour, I don't know if you can see that. Oh, sorry, I went to the wrong one. Uh, the the sunburst. You look yeah. at the, the strong sunburst, but a lot of guys would look at that, especially Irish boys, and it's a golden olive type colour. And it's the, that if you mix that with the like I'm tying Wolfies there, but the the one of the main things I did was because when I first started dyeing, I, I was always dyeing natural capes to get colours. And one of the best colours to dye, uh, I'd have to search for it. When you want to do good olives, you, you can obviously dye a white cape olive, but you're then dependent on the colour of dye that you have to get that colour. And depending on how much dye you put in it, depending on how well you wash the cape, depending on how well you get what colour you get. But to get a consistent colours, if I wanted a decent olive, all you really... I mean, yellow is the most important colour. So if you get a natural done, a light done, or a medium or a dark done, or even a black with a, with a dark grey back to it, natural black, these are all natural colours, not dyed, and then dye them yellow, you'll get a light olive, medium, dark, and sooty. Just by using the colour yellow. Mm. But the golden yellow. But you're, what you're doing is that's Natural colours giving you the right olive. Much like dyeing the gingers, where it'd be light ginger, medium, dark, red. And it's you were the saying there, Davey, sorry, that gives you a more consistent result, does it, than if you use just, uh, let's say, a white cape? Oh, I far better. It gives you, because you control, depending on how dark that natural colour is, that brown or whatever, or grey, gives you your olive colour, but mm. it gives you... It gives you that metallic olive. It gives that. See, all the all the, the colours I originally, especially did for basil, I never dyed. I used a natural cape and dyed it. My, the Irish boys do it. Like I, they, yeah. I'm not the only one. I let them do that. But that's how originally I started. Because when I wanted a brown olive, I dyed a brown cape olive, or I dyed it yellow. If you want a nice golden, a golden olive. I mean, one of the best colours you could find is see if you could ever, in America, you need to find them over there. A rusty dun. A rusty dun is a, it's got a dun colour in the centre with a nice rusty brown natural on the outside. See if you dye that yellow. <laughs> see the blend between the rusty tips and the dun in the middle? And you yeah. wind that down a body. It's just, there's nothing can beat that. I mean, when it comes to if you're trying to dye that colour, because that's nature giving you a, a blend, a natural blend. I mean, the sun hits at you, and even better. But then, what you have to do is much like when I when the the mayfly, the McMay, McPhail mayfly, and because I was the corb especially, corb flies don't like too much flash. I know that just by time. And <laughs> the best way to add flash to it is to add fluorescence, but it's subtle in the wake it could be a rib, it could be a simple thing like putting a bit of fluorescent yellow into your olive seals fur that you use or anything just to kick it when it needs it, but subtle like mm. it's lots of wee things like that that gives your flies the edge and it kicks in when the light's right yeah. I mean people don't realise, see the in the morning and the evening, you've always said the fluorescent light's very powerful, like because you see it in 
when you've got fluorescent material lying on your desk and the sun's coming up in the morning, it glows, especially my light, because uh, I'm face westerly. So my stuff glows in the morning, in the evening as well, when the sun sets. You get that natural orangey light, which gives the claret a bit better, or vice versa. You can add that in your fly, but you get it as well when a cloud comes over. See, when a cloud, a lot of people think, oh, the fish can, the cloud cover, the fish will rise because it doesn't hurt their eyes. If it hurt their eyes with the violets, what happens is the fish can see your fly and they can see the natural fly it hatches better, especially olives. Because olives come off, it's like when the shadow comes over the 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 nymph, see, they can see the nymph better because it, it's, it's a silhouette. That's why they can they start rising because they can see the fly. Mm. It's, it's as simple as that because the cover is for certain flies like olives and stuff. You need bright sunshine to, to, to hatch and there's less chance of the fish seeing them the same. It's when the cloud comes over they sit out like I say a thumb and the fish can see them. And that, and that, that I like to put the fluorescence and be aiming points. Much like a tag, or instead of using the yellow thread, use a chartreuse type thing. That's the difference. And the fail may fly was just a it was two flies I tied. It was a caddis pupa and a wee olive. And I used the it was a I use a and a buzzer actually as well. It was a lime green dyed pheasant tail. And I put it in the tail <laughs> because I know it works. But see that tide in the buzzer, there's an early buzzer in April that comes off here. And most people think it's black, but seeing that when you hold the buzzer in your hand, it's this colour. It's a natural pheasant tail dyed lime green. Mm. I use that colour and you'll, you'll be amazed how well it works. Some amazing tips already, Davey, I think, for people. <laughs> I say people are like taking notes here going, <laughs> I have to rewind that now. Hold on a sec. Um, Davey, you may just tell us um, when you set up the YouTube channel because it's grown, gone from strength to strength. You have 116,000 subscribers now and all over the world, I presume. I jeez, you've no idea. Uh, I'll tell you what happened, right? My original, I had two, uh, my original channel, the name it was PT Man. The PT man was a name we used online. You never used your real name when you first started. <laughs> you always used a pseudonym or some kind of other name. Like mine was PT man. It was the name of a salmon flyer tied. Good for PT water. So anyway, um, what it was narrow band at the time was like 0.1 megabytes per per hour. <laughs> so what I tried to do was send. I tried to send a step by step of a. Saltwater flyer tied to a gentleman in America around about 2005, six, something like that. And it took about three hours to send one photograph. And <laughs> yeah. like, Can you imagine the kids listening to this going, What the hell? <laughs> uh, three hours, narrow band is like so bad. So my son, my son says, Why don't you make it into a slideshow and put it on YouTube? And I went, YouTube, right? What's YouTube? <laughs> So anyway, and YouTube was just starting at the time, really. It was 2005, 2006. So uh, anyway, I decided to do that. And there's another story behind the camera, but I'll not get into it. But anyway, I'd got this camera to do DVDs, but it, it, it didn't work out. So I decided I would, once I did that, I was getting questions. So the easiest way to do it is to show someone, especially if I 
you write in a piece of paper, it just unless you are hundred percent know every turn and every mm. if you show someone it's far easier. I find it easier because I'm useless at putting things in pen and paper. So anyway, um I decided I would do this fly, do that fly, and it was building up and building up. So what happened with the first one, I made a mistake. I tried to change the name to David McPhail for PT Man because I thought, because we'll put my real name because it's no, it's like, doesn't sound right, Pete. So I'd, I thought I could change this one to this new one and I ended up deleting the original channel, the mistake. <laughs> and I went, everybody went crazy and so I spent three weeks uploading all the videos again. And that's why the one I've got just now. So basically, it was basically just a show. It's still the same. It's not... I mean, I do get I do get some revenue through it. Not enough. It's just... You need to millions and millions of views, even though I've mm. had that. But you're talking over... That's a 2009 that uh, account's been going. It's, it's still a way of... I enjoy tying flies and it's the only way is if you want to show someone I'll do it and it's the feedback if you look at all the feedback and the inspiration I get because I get a lot of inspiration for people asking me questions and because uh, that, that works both ways because a lot of flies I would never tie unless someone asked uh-huh. you see and, I, and it's an interest for me because and when I worked for the fly tying company and stuff it's like there's lots of these time methods thrown about here up here somewhere. Um and it's like oh that'd be ideal for that. That'd be ideal. And so it allows you to experiment a wee bit, but without as long as you can idea what you're trying to represent. Most things are if it's a fish or that's a teardrop shape. So it's nymphs, they're a kind of teardroppy shape. But you're trying to get the fly to look natural and fish even if it doesn't look like the natural, swim like the natural. Because I like an impressionist fly as much. I like some to give the impression of rather than it looks like it's going to crawl away off your desk. Yeah. And I'd, I'd rather have a boa fluff. I can make that boa fluff move a certain way if it's tied a certain. And uh, But you never know how it's going to go. I didn't realise it was going to be like who it is. I, I never ever planned for that. It's the same with the fishing recently. I started filming myself fishing. And the first quest, first thing I got was, I, I didn't know you could fish. <laughs> and I went, well, look, guys, I did fish. I was a girl, I did fish. <laughs> I just, fly time was only a, a hobby. It was just a bit of fun. And it was to, the main, main reason for tying the flies was to make sure whoever was coming to the, the river or the, the loch, they, they had the flies that were hatching. Or the ones I fished. How often, Davey, now, like, like, what's the ratio of fly fishing versus fly tying now in your life? At one time, it was all fly tying. But when I started tying commercially for 2014, Ken, and basically putting it through the books, then you realised you were giving your flies away for free. (laughs) (laughs) Once I started putting the tax ban through it and all the rest of it, Ken, like, basically just adding up all the... The prices of materials, especially since, well, since lockdown, it's even worse. Mm. I mean, the price of flies has went through the roof. I mean, I remember getting five pence for a trout fly. (laughs) (laughs) Ten pence. Five pence for a trout fly. 
I mean, it's hard. But it was only just you getting your hoop price of the hoop back, and you couldn't buy a hoop for five pence. And but I mean, nowadays anyway. I mean, but the the prices, especially capes. I mean, even when I worked in the Glasgow Angling Centre for a sh three or four years, I was buying half saddles for like twenty pounds, white and saddles, a heap bit minor. You're talking sixty pounds for the same. Yeah. Yeah, it's a huge difference, and that was in two thousand and I left two thousand two thousand three two thousand six around about that time, uh, and the prices have went way through the roof. So they have. How many videos would you be doing for the channel, Lego, like, every week? Well, since I started doing the giving away stuff, uh, I'm working basically to film as much as I can, and I mean, I used to sell my flies through eBay. Now, every in a tie I give away in the draw, people donate to my channel. And uh, I, I don't like taking anything for, for, for nothing. So I give them a chance to have the flies a tie. And I give, a, I give them a chance to get a, one of the fly boxes. But the, what happens is, say, I don't know what to talk money like, but for instance, say I, I get the £300, right? I take the price of my flies off. And then the rest goes back into my channel. So, like, I buy a new mic. I'll break mics. See these mics? Yeah. <laughs> I break mics all the time. I stand on the cable. I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, I always need something. Like, uh, for filming outside, I had to get cameras. I had to get this. I get case for putting the cameras in. I mean, the first camera I bought, for it actually cost £3,000. So Yeah. Yeah, I mean the new camera. This one I'm using here is, is fifteen hundred. Like this is a a four K version. Like and then you need to buy cables and you need to buy like <laughs> same with doing what we're doing here. I have to buy a a cam link, link a stream deck. So that helps. It all goes back into it. But if I've got any extra, I give it all away. I mean I've got all the flies I tie. I tie extra flies. I mean, what I'm going to do here, as I say, I've, I've tied some extra flies here. I'll send. So when you do that, the giveaway for the throwing mill, you can, I'll, I'll send you, or I can just give me a, some, pull somebody else's name out, two, two names, and I'll send them three McPhail Mayflies and three of the uh, the Wolfies. Oh, that'd be great. Thanks a million, Davey. I'm sure the listeners would love that, <laughs> you know. Oh, it's only a bit extra. I mean, it's only flies. <laughs> yeah. Yep, it's only flies. No, it's actually a really good idea what you're doing with the draw, Davey. I really like that. And it's, it's great for everybody. And it, and it creates an interest with it as well. But I think the whole idea behind it is really good. I'm really impressed with that. Hi, I mean, I only had about a dozen people. I mean, what I used to do, I had a donation button. A donation button. Everybody tells you, you need this in your channel, blah, blah. So I did that, but I didn't mention it because... I don't like asking. I don't like... If, mm. I'd rather, it's like working for a week and then asking for your wage. You shouldn't have to ask for your wage. <laughs> yeah, type thing. But at the same time, it's like, I don't like asking people because it's, they're, they're kind enough to watch the videos and and leave a message and say, thanks, Davey. I'm happy with that. But see if you want to take it to the stage further. Like, a lot of people want me to film more and that's what I was wanting to do. But I have to fund that in some way if I'm not tying flies and selling them I'm not getting any money but if I want to film more I have to then somehow get some money in to keep everything going 
mm-hmm. and get the money for the flies. And at the same time, I've to give you an idea, in the last two and a bit years, I've gave away 50 boxes of flies. Easy. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've, I've, I've gave away loads of stuff. Hundreds of flies. But Dave, you, you obviously really enjoy the digital aspect of it because of the kind of community around it and the feedback you're getting. Um, because, you know, we see it ourselves with the podcast. It's the consistency of it. You have to keep doing it every week. And, you know, you're doing it a couple of times a week. And it, it takes a while to build that community and that audience. But, like, you you were one of the earlier guys doing it, like you were saying, 2009, like, you know, with that the, the, the latest iteration of the channel. So it's just growing it all the time and you're really seeing the fruits of it now, aren't you, like in terms of how it's come about? Well, I'm trying well, See, like, the, I mean, I could have went in different ways. I could have, I could ask for this, I could ask for that. I, I don't want to do that. I hate it. See, I'm not a business person and uh, a lot of my friends say, Davey, you should get a manager. <laughs> I'm saying no. I say, look, I want to keep it as honest as I can. I don't want to try and... I like the stuff I use is the stuff I like. I don't want to be having to use someone because they're giving me a pound or giving me money to do it. I don't want to be doing that because, and if anybody does ask me to give, uh, there's no obligation. I don't. I'm not committed. Or if I don't like it, I'll say. I mean, most things there's very rare that I don't like anything. I'm not a great fan of, for instance. The, the, the UV epoxies, I I'm not good. I don't like them that much. Uh, it's not because it's just be, I, I'm not used to just being varnishing some super glue and some varnish on my buzzer, and that's that. UV resin and lights and stuff. Uh, I know it look great when you put it on and stuff like, but I'm not hundred yeah. percent sure. Uh, I prefer it even when I type a basil. Basil will say, Dave, don't don't put resin on it. Because he doesn't like it. It's just old-fashioned. It's much like I've got a rotary vice, but I don't use it as a rotary. I just tie it as a way all the way. Uh, <laughs> it's, because I go, it's like, why don't you use a rotary? I says, because I've tied two flies before I got into the swing of this thing, Ken. Yeah. I had time, Ken. It's just I'm quicker to go. You just know it at that stage, yeah. I can tie it quicker. I mean, much like, see the wax? I've got the wax in my finger here. It's like, when I was getting questions and a lot of tying issues that people were having, especially was putting hackles and wings on, most times it was they were using like a flat thread like UTC or maybe Danvils or something. And you've really got to get that to grip, especially near the head. It's, they're good colours. It's got a nice stretch to it and it's fine. But the, I mean, I use Uni. It's more a rounder thread. It's got a wee twist in it and it gives you a wee bit more grip. But the mm. wax... The wax will give you more grip, more confidence, more strength in your thread, and less bulk. It's, it's, I mean, wax has always been used uh, in threads to help them run smooth, sort of get strengthens. It's like when I, I mean, I've been a weaver, believe it or not. I was a snook weaver years ago, and the way to get the thread or get the weft to be uh, more stronger and better they steamed it so that right. there was a natural oils in the in the actual the, the yarn as well which helped to heat it up gave it grip but lots of things that helped Ken so it's much the same as putting wax in your finger the, the reason I put the wax in my finger is firstly it's a thin piece of wax and the warmth of my finger keeps it soft 
And the other reason is that I, I can find it. It's on my finger. <laughs> it's just there, ready to go. Because the number of times I lost my wax, and I still lose the wax to my finger because it sticks inside a bag or something like that. I go, where's that wax be? And it, it, but it's there because it, it makes it more usable. It's as yeah, well, as can I just say, Davey, on account of watching your videos, I do that now. And yeah. prior to that, I didn't use wax. And for a classic example, I used to find occasionally on my dabblers, I would lose a bit of the bronze mallard because the grip wasn't there. Uh, right? You need it for so, uh, yeah. And then I started using the wax, as you said, and I found that by putting the wax on it, when you're putting the bronze mallard in, it does give more uh, cut and bite and holds the bronze mallard fibers in place. So I'd just like to take this opportunity to thank you for that. <laughs> and see this bronze mallard is so hard to get now. It's really been worthwhile, that tip. Okay, I mean, it just gives you that wee bit of extra grip. I mean, and it gives you confidence as well. Like, you have no idea. There's, uh, but I answered a lot of questions by doing that because to what you know, I I can I can tie quick enough and tight enough, I can get away without using it. There's a lot of people will stop tying and let the bobbin go. Two turns, or they'll go back two turns, or unravel slightly without realizing it'll spring back. And if you put wax on it and you did leave the bobbin go, it'll stick. But the thing is. When I'm tying, I actually, I rarely let the bobbin go in my hand. Yeah. I sit with it. I sit with it. And it's like, because of the methods of the years of practice and stuff, I mean, I practiced, I, I tie 100 flies to somebody tying 10, for instance. Mm. Right. While I'm tying that 100 flies, I'll tie, I'll, to get stopped and bored, I'll try different ways. And the only thing that's really changed over the years is the methods and some of the materials. It's very hard to come up with a new fly and say that exactly yours because I can go back to William Blacker and look through his 1847, 18 whatever. Mm. He had a detached bodied mayfly. Yeah. And maybe he used a quill or something for the body, like, but he, he didn't have ether foam. The only thing that's changed between the two is this. Mm. Or he maybe used a bit of cork or the quill used, I mean, there's lots of things he used. So, I mean, and the way he tied, if you watched the way he died, I mean, I've got about 18, 14. Uh, I mean, these are not expensive books, but I get them. To, I, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not one of these people that read right through a book. I'll read things I'm interested in. Like, if I'm going to certain places, I'll look them up in the map. It's the same idea. Mm. I'll open the book and I'm interested in the the, the, the patterns. I mean, in the book, eight, in, I mean, it's 1814, they're talking about using the the fibres off the carpet. Yeah, so, I mean, all that type of stuff. Again. And then the chickens are using, and the, the hog, the, the cat's whiskers again, for the tails, or the, not for rabbits and stuff. Again. They're using the whiskers. I mean, they're using that for the tails of the flies. and lots of things. Again. So, it's that's the interesting side, but at the same time, I'm still looking at the patterns. And I would get, I would buy it. I'd get a book, an old book, the older patterns, and I would, I'll show you. I'd get through the to learn how the the I would actually tie all the flies in the book. So I, I've got a full sets of flies from the books. This is North Country flies. I think there were seventy two patterns in the book. Yeah, I tied every one of them. <laughs> That's fantastic. 
That is brilliant. <laughs> I just learn the fly, whether it's yeah. I can handle it. It, it, that, I would do stuff like that, and it and it's sort of interesting, a bit of fun. And the same time, I've got I know I've got partners I would like, and and you learn these techniques, the and you learn a wee bit about history, and you can see how flies have developed over the years and how they get their ideas to now. Davey, um, while we have it, could we ask you? And people listening with great interest um, for some tips, maybe for beginners and some s- tips for improvers. What would you think? What's your YouTube channel? That's the number one tip. <laughs> yeah, well. Oh, jeez. There's, there's most of the videos are actually quest, trying to answer questions. I've got a dozen questions, say, and they're in the back of my mind. And while I'm tying the fly, there's that question, I'll answer that, and this question, I'll answer that one. I mean, for beginners, especially in fly tying, like what I did, I was, I basically, I would say when I was younger, it was on the locks, but when I really started tying flies, I was fishing the river. I stick to river flies, stick to the fly, listen to the older anglers and listen to like the patterns, like the, the patterns I found, like the two, a lark and grey is quite a light type, it's, it's quite a simple fly, but at time different sizes will represent a dozen species, kind of light olives to uh, whatever, small duns kind of thing, or, uh, depending on the body colour you did it, but like a lacking, like a a grey duster, for instance, is a fly it gives impression of. Competition angling was, the biggest thing about competition angling was to have a pattern that can keep fishing without changing it all the time. Like, for instance, Sarah, was like last three or four years, it was 2017, a gentleman asked me to tie, could you tie a dynamite harry? And I went, what the, what's a dynamite harry? Yeah, so I typed into the internet, dynamite harry, and there's this gentleman tying the dynamite harry. It's just basically a post, if you imagine a, a, a fibre, a, just a, like the like the new stuff that Fool and Will have, it's the, the ultra dry wing, which is a great material for it. There's basically the wing and a bit of it left over along as a body, a wee bit of dubbing the hackle on it, nothing else on it, just a wee thoraxy bit. And I th- so I filmed the fly with a light olive and I tied half a dozen for myself because I knew I said, that's so simple it'll work. And, and I remember the first time it was a windy day, it was in river air, very hard to get your, to see a fly. And I go, what have I got here? Because the wind was blowing hard upstream and the fish were rising right in the very edge of the, the, the wind lane as it was going up the river. Not so much. That's how windy it was. So I put this on and it was bang, bang, bang. I'm going, jeez, I can see it sitting up like a, a mile and it was perfect for it. So what I did was I basically I got the box of flies. So I'll change over to this other one. And this is a, a selection. So I tied it with all the patterns I, I fished mainly and even caddis. I'll give you a story. Was a, here's a selection. So you've got the March Brown is the first, simple. There's, you want a grey version, you want a yellow May, you want a dun, which is a lighter colour. I've got the lacking grey, I've got the grey duster. I've even got a chocolate brown caddis. I've got the granum, and I've even got uh, the heather fly or a large midge in that style. Like, this is this, that's me, you see, because I like to mm. take a style. I added a tail to it, but because the original doesn't have a tail, but I used cock de leon underneath 
and it blends through into the synthetic fibre and gives a lovely mottle effect. It's absolutely what the tree. I can see a mile away, and it catches the light perfect. But I'll give it a, for instance, my cousin was going to Ireland in September there, and I gave him a box the same as that. He was desperate, and I said, Look, yeah, I said, I gave him it. He didn't come back with any flies. He came back with none because guess where they all went? The guys he was fishing with. There <laughs> <laughs> was there was a couple of there was a well. I'll tell you this way. What he said to me was that the he was out with the the guide for a couple of days and he caught more fish than the guide. Right. Which is you know it's like well I went there to the flies were getting shared out so obviously they end up with no flies moving back. So it was a brown caddis that was doing really well I think. But it it keeps fishing. See if you want to fish the fly, it just goes out, catch, 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 and you don't need to change it. Perfect for a competition. Uh, much like a dial back, it will give an impression of three or four different flies. So you don't need to change it because it'll give an impression of. They, this is why these patterns, the cruncher is a, you know, just a spider pattern. It's like basically a black uh, black panel. But it's, it's tied slightly in the same style, but different colours. It'll give the impression of many species getting tight. That's why it's a good competition fly. The cormorant is uh, like the ones I was tying. I just finished the boot, the booby one. There are a couple of these boxes. So I've got what they call a sweeping box. And the sweeping box is the, do you have the booby? So you have that in the point, and then you have a couple yeah. of cormorants or a dull bark between. So you can con control in the sweep. Yeah. So you've got the fab, so you get the foam with the back of the fab or the, the, the blob. Again, it slows up, your, gives you that, helps you to present a certain way, which is a great fishing method. It's a method that's catching the fish. But the, the common gives a bit of movement into your favourite buzzer. So if you've got a buzzer or a midge, pupa, and you put a, a wing in it, that, and I use, the original wing was basically just, the softest fibre you're looking for is probably the tips of the marabou. Mm. But it's very soft, gives that wee bit extra kick in your fly. And it, it it's a great competition fly, but it gives a mini lure effect as well. So that's why they're good competition flies. And uh, and that's what I was into. I mean, it was like the Ferrari won the fly tying is to design or tie flies for the competition anglers. And that's why you've got all your Czech nymph type style flies. You've got your Euro nymph, what they want to call it. There's all different names for it. Fishing the, I like, I mean, a great way to the dry dropper. It's a great way of covering the river. Again, it's a good way to present the fly. Um, there's, I'm not a great French kind of long leader stuff. Yeah. Uh, I've, 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 I don't think I've, I've ever done it. Not really. Not I've a wee kind of hang my rod in the air type, that's as much. Uh, present the fly. But if it's into competitions, I would certainly learn how to do it more better. Like I know there's when I'm fishing, I'm not getting I know people are, I can hear them in the background saying, Davy, do this, do this, you'll get but I'm fishing to suit myself. And at the same time, I, I know I'll catch the odd I could probably catch more if I do another style. You see, uh, or fishing a method to catch fish with a line. There are lots of things, but look, I'm only for a bit of fun. It's, 
I mean, if I had to, if I had the time and the money when I was younger, I'd have, I would have first competitions. You'd, it's not cheap to do all that. It's a, it's a real game. Um, it's not cheap to fish and represent your country. So only if you can't do it, you should at least in some way take part. And if your flies are there catching fish and the guys are winning the competition, that's just as good. And I know some people don't like it. I know there's a lot of guys, and I can understand because I don't do it myself, but it's if you don't have something like that, you don't have any encouragement to there's some things you need to be able to draw people in. And the old, the young the young anglers that I seen that did get into fishing, it was the competition side that started them. It's up to them what they do after that. They can go this way, that way. But the, the there is lots of learning in it, like. Yeah, very uh, true. Very true. I've all, we've always said that, and you know, for the innovation of flies as well, Davey, and that's one that? side of it, and also for getting young lads coming in. Yeah, so you know, some people knock it, but like I completely, completely behind it, Davey. Just this has been absolutely fascinating chatting to you. Um, wow, no, sorry, I talk some more, but no, I just I tell you what, before I want to wrap up, but before we do, uh, we ask everybody who comes on the show. Uh, question and uh, I want to ask you what your most memorable fish on the fly is. I've had lots, hundreds. We've always had fun fish. Uh, for the, my best salmon to the everything's they're, they're all good. I mean, it's hard to pick. It's just being there is a good thing. But the, I would go to this season. I actually caught the same brown trout three times. So I did wow. <laughs> over like uh, three or four months. And I know yeah. it was the same brown trout. And I've actually got it in video. If you watch my videos, there's a big brown trout I catch, and it's against this wall. There's this, there is a few in there along with this wall where I fish in the river Dune. I caught this fish three times. <laughs> and I thought I'd learned his lesson by the third time, but he caught, I caught him again. And uh, I didn't really say it on, in the video, but I knew it was it. And, and it's as good as the day, and I hope I catch him next year. Next season, I hope he's still there. Wow, so, uh, come here. Um, what were the three methods you caught him on? I caught him in the March Brown Dynamite Harry the first time, right. I remember right. I caught him on again on it was a granum hatch, and what I was, I did, I did Dynamite Harry and put a traditional wet fly, it's a lovely wee wet, it's a cracking wet fly, good for caddis. And I just tied it off the bend about maybe 18 inches. And it popped up against the wall and it came up and ate his nightmares, took it, kind of the, the weight. So, yeah. and I used, the, I used the dry, obviously, as a way to indicate that because it's a very tight area where it lies. Mm. And then the next, the last time I caught him, actually, it was an, on a beaded nymph. And I, I, I basically threw the line, sort of, I was down and I threw it right over and I just hung, I hung the, the nymph in and he did it again. And I went, oh, jeez. And he fought the exact same way. The way to see him, you'll see he's, a, he's one of the bigger trout I caught. And he did, all he does is just hangs in the middle of the river. He just, he can't get him in. He just, he's like, you think he was anchored. I mean, I'm really putting pressure on him. I'm going, jeez, this fish just does the way to come in. And he's got a, the reason I know him is because his tail right at the bottom, there's a wee chop off it. So there is. A wee. Right. Uh, come here, when you hooked him the third time on the beaded nymph, how quick did you know he was the same fella again? The way he was fine straight away, it was a straight oh, fight. He's the same guy. <laughs> 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 I 
<laughs> and I, I think I don't know if I mentioned it, like, and I think I might have missed them another time. But there's there's a lot of fishing along that wall, and there's some crackers, and the ones I've lost and caught. But it, it's just a if you imagine this beat, it's on the river Dune. It's just above Brigadoon. I mean, if I just walk around the corner, I can actually fish below the Brigadoon. Right. If you there's I can actually fish that. The problem is there's there's some flats here, and some of the it's like uh, I don't like walking in the grass. But the, below there, there's the 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 Brigadoon Hotel. I can actually fish right right beside it and underneath the Brigadoon. And I may do it next year. I'll do it because it's a beautiful bit. If you ever know where I live, like in Ar- it's the air. This is air. And if you drive yeah. two miles, or a mile that way, you're in the alleyway. But it's part of the air. It's just continuous. Like even you think you'd want part for one next, uh, went for one area to one next anyway. But you've got the Robert Burns' house, you've got the Burns sort of place, they all go there for tea and coffee. You've got the mm. Brigadoon, obviously famous for, and you've got the, the graveyard there, which is full of gravestones. You might see some of those. No, they were into gravestones or anything like, but the, it's the how far they'll go back. Like, on the history and stuff, you would love it. I mean, people, I mean I've had people come to the door and I, I, I take them up around. I take them round about and I show them these sites and they think, oh, what a place they live. Uh, I mean, the river here yeah. is, 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 is a great, it's a great, it's a lovely river. It's a different river for the river Dune. You see, I was born in Dull Mellington, which is a small mining village, 15 miles drive from here. And Loch Dune is just the top of the hill. And that, that's where I, my playground was. When you come off of Loch Dune, you, you see the houses where I stayed. It's called Mosedale Terrace. And all I did right. was jump onto the, the Roman road and walked up over the hill. And it was on Loch Dune. And yeah. you think you were in the Highlands. Yeah. And it's it's so good, Mike. You have no idea. Have you fished Loch Dune lately? I fished it. The biggest problem, see the last, for the middle of September, it hasn't stopped raining. Right. <laughs> just, yeah. I mean, there's this continuous rain in the river I've got a Friday on the river Dune uh, every Friday the rivers is three four feet up it's just too big I'm hoping to get on it on Friday for the I mean I don't normally fish this late for salmon but I, I was trying to finish the trout season which finished in the uh, 6th October I couldn't get out because it was too bad the same in the loch I was about to go up to the loch but it was just the hellish weather and I was going to give it the last cast in the river before the end of the, the month. It's The season finishes on the 31st for mm. the salmon. But I don't like catching them when they're, uh, when, they're, when they're breeding, obviously. But there is a chance you know, spring, or not spring fish, but a, a silvery fish. You, oh. you do get the chance. Mm. An autumn fish. I used to get a September run, and they were always big fish. But the, the grouses disappeared. Were grouses no there? Um, but I mean, my best season it was fifty-two fish for the season. Uh, I used to average, and I, I used to average maybe just over the thirty plus. And I don't like to de- depress anyone. I don't like to. This, I mean, if you get that for the whole of the river, you're laughing. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And that's how bad. I mean, I remember ninety-five, when I was on. The Swallow Braze beat had over 800 fish 
for the season himself, and it's just a cartouche of pools. And up at where I was, we had 250 fish. Last year, they four. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's uh, yeah, we and we we've covered this on the podcast, Davy, in terms of kind of the way the salmon runs are gone. Um, it's fairly depressing. Um, but <laughs> I don't want to end on the on the the de- sour oh, note. Um, <laughs> but Davy, it's been brilliant chatting to you. Davy McPhail's flies—they're so good they catch the same fish three times. <laughs> All you have to do is copy what Davy's doing. <laughs> And you'll keep fooling them. If I catch them next year, I'll let you know. Look, I'm sure everybody knows, but check out Davy's YouTube channel. Um, just search Davy McPhail. Um, there's 1,300 videos. You know, there's an incredible amount of content. Hundreds of thousands of views for videos. Like, it's just growing and growing. Davy, continue the um, success with it. Keep the channel growing. And I'm sure we'll um, we'll be uh, chatting to you again, maybe, and uh, find out how you, how you get on. Anything. Just use a shout. Our thanks to Davy McPhail for joining us on the show. Don't forget to rate, review and follow the Ireland on the Fly podcast on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. Plus you can keep up to date on irelandonthefly.com as well as on Instagram and myself and Tom will be back with another episode about the people and places of fly fishing in Ireland.